For Washington wonks, or for wonks everywhere, it's a dream come true. The government publishing office has digitized more than 1,300, get ready for this, congressional hearings, dating back to 1958. And it's all available to the public online, everything from Watergate to noise from Friendship Airport. It's all there. Here with the story of how they did it, the GPO's superintendent of documents, Laurie Hall. Ms. Hall, good to have you on. Thanks. Good to talk to you. These documents then existed as paper pamphlets that were published, but they've never been available online. Therefore, they've been basically buried for all these years? Well, we have a a big network of federal depository libraries, and in those early years, we sent out these hearings and other lots of other documents that are published by the federal government to these libraries, and they've been storing and... and, allowing the public to come and find these materials in those collections. And so um, what we would like to do, and we've, we've done a, quite a few projects already, um, to get that material, digitize it, um, authenticate it, and um, load it up to GovInfo to make sure we have these complete runs and collections of uh, government publications. So the hearings is just one of those projects that we've been working on. And these, we should point out, are the transcripts of the of the testimony that were taken in typeset form. It's not correct. It's not recordings correct. or kinescopes or anything like that. No, it's a, it's a tangible printed document. What did it require to get these into a digital form? It looks like uh, I'm looking at one from 1959, I think, and it's a pretty thick and densely printed book here. There is a digitization process. There are digitization standards um, that the federal agency digitization guidelines. So there are, um, you know, best practices and guidelines to convert these documents digitally. They're OCR'd so that we can, folks can also uh, conduct research and get into them. It's not just a PDF. Um, but um, we, we have staff here at GPO who get the printed document here. We look at the printed document. We do quality control, make sure there's no missing pages or pages that are ripped out. Um, and then we, we send our stuff to a digitization vendor. We get digital files back. We quality control the digital files. Then we do create some metadata, you know, the title, the author, that kind of metadata. And then we ingest it into a, the collection of government of hearings that's on GovInfo. So it's a, it's a laborious, long process, lots of detail, lots of quality control to make sure we've got a good copy. The digital image is clear. Um, it's readable. Uh, it's complete. And then we authenticate it and make it available. Now, the hearing I'm looking at is 756 pages long. I don't know how big the original format was, but it looks like what you might call a quarto or something sized. Yeah, and some things have multiple volumes, too, remember? Yeah, so lots of pages. It looks like you had to slice the binding off and somehow feed these through a high-speed scanner. Is that what happened? Yes, that's kind of what happens. Some things, although depending on the condition and the age of material, we may ask for destructive digitization or non-destructive digitization. Our our specialists take a look at the material, determine the condition and how old it is and if it can withstand. And we have other copies that um, are available and tangible if we do, do need to cut that binding off. Yeah. And to do the digital versions, that is to say, not the PDFs, but the searchable versions, what was required there? Because I'm looking at these pages. It's very dense. It's 
really close yeah. together. There's no they, line they, spacing. They do, right. They, that's how it was printed. So, yeah, that could be a challenge, but we OCR them. Sometimes we have to do some corrections and things along the line, but we do our best with what we have um, to make sure that it's readable and, um, yeah, the researchers can get in there and find the tidbits of information that they're looking for. Because I'm looking at the table of contents, the things are listed alphabetically and not in the order that they are in the book. So if you wanted to see what, say, Elmer W. Conti, the president of the village of Elmwood Park, said in July 18th of 1962, it's on page 489. Is there a version that I could type in Elmer Conti? And I would get to page 489? Yes, because our GovInfo search and our databases for government information, GovInfo, are very, very um, intense. They're very well structured, and they can go in very deeply into that material and find exactly what you're looking for. We're speaking with Lori Hall. She's superintendent of documents at the government publishing office. I guess the fact that everything was set in careful type does help the OCR, though, doesn't it? It does. It does. It does help. And what's your sense of the demand for these? I mean, is every hearing that was conducted in Congress in all those years digitized, or how did you decide what to digitize? Well, actually, we do not know, uh, at least folks at GPO, the specialists, do not know exactly how many hearings there there are out there. Um, so we, we really don't know how many were published uh, so we're trying to gauge that by doing some inventories of our collections, um, and we decided that we really want to build out that collection. You know, the, the thing most people say, oh, everything's on the Internet. Well, that's not necessarily true. Um, so our goal is to try to build up these these historic collections of critical U.S. government publications. Um, we just digitized the entire public papers. Um, we did the entire run of the Federal Register, along with the uh, collaboration of the Office of Federal Register. Um, we're working on a project with the Library of Congress now to digitize the U.S. Congressional Serial Set, which has materials back into uh, 1870s. So we're, we're working collaboratively with our, uh, you know, our national libraries, our federal depository libraries to find that historic content and, and preserve the digital and provide access to the digital. So there's two phases of that. You know, access is great, but we also have to preserve the digital version. Um, and that, that's one of the key things that we're, we're doing, too. Because a lot of the hearings now are videotaped and posted to the site's of the different committees and subcommittees. Is there a process for capturing those for perpetuity? And is that the GPO or is it Library of Congress or who does it? Well, I think probably something like that is going to be, we're spending so much time on the historic stuff first, that's going to be a real challenge for those those as well. But yeah, those will be those projects that we start working with uh, other libraries, especially the Library of Congress, the Law Library of Congress, um, and, and making sure that we don't duplicate effort across the government. So something like that, we would definitely try to work with a partner um, because we both have huge staffs of experts and we have experience and and we want to make sure we don't waste taxpayer dollars and we probably one of those things on our agenda. And what are some of the more exciting things that you know are in the latest collection? I guess there's about 1,300 hearings out of, well, you say who knows how many, but of those 1,300, anything that caught your eye in particular? Well, I know there's Watergate hearings in there, and there's – I'm an art person. I really like art. Um, it's kind of one of my things. So there was a, a, some hearings about paint, some Rembrandt paintings 
that were stolen in from Germany in 1922, and they ended up in Ohio. So there's all of that, those in, that information, and there's there's just tons of little nuggets for researchers and history buffs all throughout those those hearings. And we we plan to. This is just our first 1300. We we have a a group of well, in some of our warehouses, we have four, about 45 to 50,000 hearings that are going to be going through this process. So uh, I'm really excited to be able to expose all that information and um, history out for for people like me who are history buffs and researchers. I think it's going to we're going to find some really interesting things in there. And I have the House Judiciary Committee for 1973-1974 up here. I haven't gotten to Watergate yet, but they had a whole lot of other hearings besides that one. And each one is very carefully documented as to the metadata that you mentioned. How is that all generated? We have some automated metadata extraction processes, um, but, you know, a lot of that still is done by what we, we have cataloging librarians who are metadata experts. So we're deploying both automated approaches and, you know, a, a personal touch to that we've really gotten the bit of metadata that might need to be called for, for researchers. So we have a combination of, of experts who are experts in metadata and then automated processes that are working in tandem. And just a quick question. I looked at, say, sure. one from 1948 or so, and I'm looking at one from 1974, this hearing on the uh, pardon of Richard M. Nixon and related matters that took place in early 75, I guess. It's the same format, the little brown booklet. Is that still what Congress puts out nowadays? Yes. 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 We've had a format of for hearings, Senate reports and Senate documents. Um, that's been a standard format for many, many, many years. Um, there are some good things about that because it does help to do automated metadata extraction if you can always see the title in the same place. But yeah, those the size and the format of those of the publications, um, the publication series that come from Congress have been the same for many, many years. Laurie Hall is superintendent of documents at the government publishing office. Thanks so much for joining me. You're welcome. We'll post this interview plus a link to the hearing collection at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Pop quiz. What can you buy for $3.99? Not a latte, but for less than the cost of a cup of coffee, you can get all your favorite music ad-free. While other streaming services jack up their prices, Live One's membership is only $3.99 per month. And you can lock in that price for a full year. Join now to get the best deal in music with zero ads, unlimited skips, and maximum audio quality. Get the music you love at a price that fits into your budget with Live One Plus. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. <coughs> Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. It's in our nature. 